Magic Without Fears Hermetic Podcast. I'm your host, Frater R.C. For more and exclusive episodes, visit magicwithoutfears.com. Thank you for your support. Without Fears, Hermetic Podcast. I'm your host, Frater R.C. For more and exclusive episodes, visit magicwithoutfears.com. Thank you for your support. Success, almost.
Are you in? Did we make it? Hello? I don't hear your audio. And we're we're live, yay! Oh, right. Hello, man. can you hear me? I can hear you fine. Can you hear me? Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Hey. Loud and clear. Right. Very loud. Perfect. Uh, I'm sitting in front of a blazing fire. It's a beautiful night. You can see Mars right bright and red above down. the moon. Oh, nice. I can, it's all right. I can control the volume fine. Yeah. So, Frater Bacchus, is it? Yeah, I know. I saw that earlier. Well, you, you, you go by Frater Bacchus. Is that your motto name? Okay, cool. Yeah. That's me. Uh, I'm not sure how stable our connection. Did I? Yeah, that's probably in the in the, in the SRI um, uh, app. Ad Astra per RG. No. Um, you know what? Unfortunately, you keep. I'm only hearing every. Yeah, I'm only hearing every second word. There you are again, ish. <laughs> okay, let's try that again. Okay. Yeah, um, you know, we'll see how the audio goes. Yeah, I'm walking I back. I was only hearing every second word. Good. How are you oh, hearing you me okay. now? Better? Yeah, it's pretty bad. Not really. Yeah, no, I'm only, I'm only hearing every second word. Let me just try getting closer to here. Does this help at all? Hello. Yeah, let's let's try. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Oh, shit! I left, my, I left my drink in the other room. Hold on a sec. Um. Yeah. That sounds good. Yeah. No problem. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Uh, coming back into the internet zone. <sighs> yeah. Sorry. You'll probably have to edit most of this <laughs> jive. So oh, I uh, do not I do not edit audio. Oh no. Uh well do you wanna now that we have a solid connection, do you wanna just it's try a, this it's, one? It's a, one time? Third time's a charm. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, yeah. That oh, way yeah, it's fresh. I, I'll, I'll I'll cut out the beginning. Um oh. yeah. yeah, so sounds yeah. good. Um yeah, I'm Frater Bacchus, that is I. Let's uh, kick it off talking about October 12th. Yeah. Crowley's birthday, Crowley Mass. Yes. You are doing from, I believe it's uh, 12 to 12.30 or 12.30 to 1. 
you are I'm doing a half hour presentation of that. Yeah, about a half hour. I'm not quite sure um, where, when exactly Chris is scheduling me in, but either or, I mean, I'm an easy fit. Yeah, I have the schedule. Oh, you do? Okay, you are from 12.30 to 1 p.m. Yeah, you're, you're 12.30 to 1 p.m. I just right. got the schedule. Okay. Perfect. Thanks for, uh, thanks yeah. for telling. So, yeah, tell people, <laughs> tell people a bit about what you're going to be doing. You're trying to um, approach it from a different angle, you said. Yeah, I figure, you know, uh, it being Monday, moon day, I'd uh, do the path of cough, like a visualization concerning the, the 29th path on the tree of life. It'd be pertaining to the moon. Um, you know, in the tarot, it's, uh, <clears throat> it's the card of the moon. And uh, yeah, so I thought that was some slight little um, adjunct to what's going on that day. And plus, like, I don't want to, you know, in light of the, the biggies, the big heavyweights that are going to be uh, discussing, like, I, I don't necessarily want to delve deeply into Crowley myself, you know, I, I, I love Crowley's stuff, but uh, yeah, I just thought uh, the path of cough might be fun. A little uh, visualization guided meditation type thing as a primer, no, if I'm know, correct, a starter. I believe, I believe you're doing the path of cough, right? Cough is a yes. different path. Cough. Yeah. Cough and calf are different. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cof. You say cough. I say cough. Calf, cough is different. That's that's a different that's a different path. The twenty ninth path I'm talking about. Q O P H. Yes, yes. The 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 moon. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's the one. It's uh, if you say if you say it cough if you say it cough it sounds like cough the other letter, right? Alphabet gimel dal hevav zin het het yod kaf lamad men num samakayim pei tzadi kof kofresh shintav. Yeah. Kofra, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, it means back of the neck, literally. The word kof in Hebrew means back of the yeah. neck. Back of the neck, back of the head. Or ear, exactly I believe. Where a whole bunch of yeah. pain lines. <laughs> I've got a... It's like, it's like if you wanted to rob someone, you'd sneak up and smack them on the kof. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that would work. <laughs> yeah, ruffian. So, so you... Yeah, so, you, so you're a member of Crowley's AA. Um, the Argenta Master. Yep. Yes, yes. What's what's the Argentum Astrum uh situation in, in Vancouver? Is it very oh, well, very it's not, active? It's not like that. It's um you only know one person, and that's the neophyte ahead of you. Um, so you may be called to travel for your initiations uh, in degrees. It's mostly done in correspondence Sounds familiar. Through, through a neophyte. So once you're a probationer like me, you get a, you you are given a neophyte, and that is someone you you uh, relay your diaries to, um, who administers your testing in the grade to go up, as one climbs the ladder of lights, if you will. So after you pass that next grade, do you get a different mentor or do you stay with the same person? You stay with the same one. 
if there's good relation. Well, what if, otherwise, what if you're... Um, Uh-oh, did I lose you? Uh-oh, I think we lost you. Oops, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. I don't know what happened there. But... Oh, all right. I don't know what happened either. Uh, well, we Mars. take what we can get with this uh, mountain, Mars mountain internet. Mars with us, man. Well, like I'm at like I'm at like I'm dude. I'm at like five thousand feet elevation in the mountains. Like I know right? it's uh it's it's amazing. There's internet here at all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, it definitely isn't cheap, as far as I understand. Yeah, no, it's uh it's amazing. No. So much. Yeah, it's gonna love it. I so look forward to working with you too. Um, post uh, Crowleymas, yeah, we're gonna have a we're yes, we're gonna have a good time a doing real, some ritual. Yeah, work. real magical powwow. What I want to do. Oh yeah, you've been working on the rituals. Yeah, uh, like how you want to. I have. I have. Like sort of I, order of operations. Well, I think and whatnot. you know. Yeah, I think you know. We'll do. I definitely want to. Uh, show you and Chris uh, the standard sort of opening by watchtower that I would do and and of course you're looking at that yeah, so you can participate I'd, um yeah I'd love and that's it, that's done as an opening for the basically the golden dawn version of the mass like the Osirian Eucharist but after you yeah, do the mass that of the Phoenix? Um, it's real well no it's like a Eucharist right you partake of the four elements okay right but instead of it being presided over by explicitly by Christ, instead of the priest through anamnesis becoming Jesus 2000 years ago, which is what the Catholic mass views it as you become Osiris. Right. Asar unnefer, right? Yeah. 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 There's a point at which the, the chief adept goes and assumes the Cyrus God form in the East. And then he says, I come in the power of light. I come in the mercy of light. I come with the wisdom of light. Light hath healing in its wings. Um, and then you partake of the mystical repast composing the four elements. And after that, I was thinking it would be fun to do like a, a proper full-on Z-Doc style soul talisman creation. And we can create talismans for ourselves or something like that. Yeah, We could always do that. a Venus one. I've uh, I've been making a. There's uh, nothing like making a proper talisman. Yeah, well, I'll bring. Uh, what have you been I'll making? Some mater art materials too. I'll bring some paints and and some uh, clay, and we can do all yeah. kinds. Yeah, yeah. The paints are good. I need to make an. I need to make a new rainbow one. So I would I'd love to have some paints that I could do that mm -hmm. with. Yeah. Oh, I've got all kinds. At the at at. at at customs, at customs, they actually confiscated my rainbow wand. What? Yeah, they confiscated it. That's ridiculous. They, they didn't touch my elemental weapons or my rose cross lamen, which is good, so I don't have to reconsecrate them. But they did confiscate my rainbow wand because, yeah, that's, that's how it goes. Uh, well, it's because it's because um, there was there was still uh, 
you know, it was from, it was from there. It was from California and they could tell that the wood was from California somehow. They, they just sort of guessed. They're like, what's this? Oh, Cause okay. I left, I left really creative bits of bits of bark on it. Um, in certain places it was really beautiful, but it was from the redwoods. Ah, uh, yeah. That's uh, was sort of a, that's a, no -no, sort of a, like, a new, yeah. a new take on it. I guess that's a, a border. No, no. You know? Yeah. I didn't realize that. Um, yeah, I think it's probably course, something, you know, like all, uh, insects and whatnot. I'm sure what they were, I'm sure they were, they, I'm sure they were confident that my backpack had like pounds of marijuana or cocaine or something. <laughs> but I find that ridiculous because who, who would sneak drugs into Vancouver, which yeah, is a port city? Like, like, like you can get anything you want lily. in Vancouver at the downtown east side. <laughs> Yeah, it's like when doctors in the hospital here are are, are reticent to give you painkillers. It's like, dude, I can go down to Maine and Hastings and get anything I want, any time of the day or night, for whatever change I have in my pocket. Vancouver's got this, you know. As we, uh, I think people don't realize what a big problem we have in Vancouver in the downtown east side. It's oh, like yeah. it, it's, it's, per it's, capita, it dwarfs anywhere else in the world. Well, I've heard some absolutely frightening statistics as to like. Uh, uh, the con the con because Vancouver is a port town. There's a lot of stuff that comes through, and uh, in those uh, it's run by bag, uh, in those flea bag hotel areas, which is close to the waterfront. Um, yeah, a lot of stuff comes in, yeah. and within a uh, six block by six block square, sort of, uh, it really like holds more drugs there than. Uh, 90% of the rest of Canada was the a statistic I heard. I don't know just how true it is, but it really wouldn't surprise me by, you know, walking yeah, around. Yeah, it's true. Being in a zombie, a George Romero film. Well, well, right there is where Temple Tehuti was. That's where the Golden Dawn was based. And we would go around and give out fruit and oh, to yeah. homeless people. And when I was in seminary at UBC, um, I was working, I was doing, you know, pastoral care work and training at First First United, which is the United Church there. Oh, with yeah, the, sure. The reverend there. Where and, was the... You know, helping handing out socks and stuff. And yeah, so we got, we got, a, we got a very real... Uh, they taught us everything. Like, they teach you about all the problems in Canada and the history. They really want the clergy to be fully educated about all that stuff. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah, it's a very yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's frightening like being people don't have socks. But you know, it's it's also it's another sort of yeah. I guess, uh, side of anthropology. You know, seeing the uh, I mean, when Vancouver hosted the Olympics, there were tour buses that would go down Blood Alley. You know, like tourists wanted to see that. I guess. Oh, I know. And it's it's well, pretty. It is a cool you know, when place. you see people shooting heroin in their neck and eyeballs and stuff it's really twisted it, it affects people and i guess i don't oh, know yeah. if it's a it cathartic so reaction before. they get but it's it's definitely something that draws people like i don't know moths to the flame sort of i guess well it's definitely it's always been a home to artists partly because it's one of the only areas people can afford to live and do yeah, art yeah, that's for sure um, and transient people know, travelers um, there's a lot of backpacker hotels and hostels 
Yeah, yeah. And dive yeah. bars. You know, and the problem I mean, is, look, of look course, at it in every town. If you, every waterfront has, has, that's where the skid row is. You know, there's always a skid row on port anywhere, any coastal places, big cities. That's where you're going to find the dive bars and the hookers and the pimps and the, you know, the street life yeah. and the urchins and whatnot. And besides, then Chinatown's right around the corner too. Yeah, exactly. It's Chinatown. Uh, right, what's crazy is right before legal, weed was, yeah, before weed was legalized, you could be down there, like outside the Blarney Stone, smoking a joint, and a cop would come up to you and and search you and make you throw out all your weed. But right next to you, there would be someone injecting heroin, and the cop would totally ignore that person. <laughs> oh, well, I'm glad I, I never that very that. very ironic. I I never got uh, hassled for smoking a J uh, out here, anyways. You know. Unless it was, uh, you know, oh, but I've never also been like flamboyant and boisterous and bombastic about it, you know. Well, we we would we would be gigging at the Irish pubs, and uh, in in our breaks, we'd go have a little toke. And the amount of times I was, you know, had my pockets empty and handcuffed against a wall, I can't even count. Oh, you know, geez, the, the like the Shabin and the, the weed. Well, Larney and, Stone. Yeah, the Shabin. Yeah, well. I used to do all my oh, birthday parties place. at the Shabin when it was at the old when it was at the old prison, of course, not the new one. The new one is just oh, I can't I can't stand the the new Irish Heather. I mean, I love Sean and I love Roisin who run it. I've been friends. Yeah, with actually, great. you want to hear a funny story? So I had I had my birthday parties from like sixteen on uh, okay. at at the Irish Heather and Shabin, nice. and on my nineteenth birthday. Um, I went to the bartender. I sat down. I talked to Bucky. I was like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, I came down from my friends and my family. And I was like, hey there, Bucky. And he's like, here, you go. What do you want? Uh, you know, any scotch you want. I'm like, anyone? He's like, well, anyone you can see. Not the ones that are behind or in the back. Because, you know, they have, you can get a $60 at there, no problem. Um, oh, yeah. So I, I had a, a shot of whiskey from him for my birthday. And he's like, so how old are you turning? And uh, I was like, 19 and i had been having my birthday parties there for like three years and he just looks at me he's like really <laughs> oh well <laughs> i'm like other we're on the level <laughs> better get that top shelf whiskey he's like well he, he's like i guess this is your first legal drink i'm like yeah but of course i didn't drink i didn't drink once in a while i would have a guinness but i could never handle more than one. Oh no I didn't start really drinking till I till I moved to Ireland in 2005. Like that's when I, you know, that's when I first uh, learned how it works. <laughs> nice. Yeah. What yeah, can I say? I, yeah, and I didn't I, get into weed and psychedelics till I was 30. Oh, far out. Well, I mean, um, yeah, some people uh, late bloomers in that sense. Uh, others, they, it's just not for them, you know. You know, what it was is I wanted to go through all the grades of the Golden Dawn um, completely straight and sober. Like I didn't even have sex until I was 19 so that I made sure I went through all five elemental grades uh, as a virgin because I had always read since I was 12 that, you know, you had extra psychic abilities and developmental options um, spiritually as if, if you were a child. And so that's what I was curious about. I was curious if I had, would have an extra profound experience. And I definitely did have a profound experience. <laughs> that's, that's interesting, so, man. It was a strange yeah, choice. I mean, uh, 
Well, uh, yeah, the, I'm just kind of, I'm rather actually shocked that uh, there would be initiations of children. You know, I like uh, as far as like, um, well, international rules in the like the the various orders that I belong no, no. to, you need to be minimum uh, an adult. Like either in certain places it's eighteen, like Montreal yeah. and Quebec. Others it's nineteen. Other places it's twenty one. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, no, my mom I, had I, to come with me to a second orientation. Was your mom a member too? Was she a Golden Dawn initiate? No, no, no. But she had to go with me. I went. I went. No, so I went to an orientation with uh, Frater Ka, Nineveh Shadrach, and uh, then they said, "Well, you'd have to come back for a second orientation with your mom, and she'd have to sign some paperwork, and we'd have to talk to her for at least a couple hours." So I, my mom drove me out to Surrey, and she sat through a whole orientation and checked out everything they were doing at Temple Tehuti um, and talked to, you know, Nineveh Shadrach and the other uh, members there to make sure. And then they decided that, so from age, because I was only 15, they decided that for the first year until I was 16, I would have private lessons and I wouldn't meet any other members just because they didn't want, you know, some of the too intense adult influence on someone who was not even 16 years old. There's, there was yeah, other members yeah, who were initiated totally, 16. Nineveh Shadrach himself joined. He was, he was 16 when he was initiated. Edward Reeb, uh, Variana Frater BT, who does the Esoteric Nerd podcast, he was 16. Jana was 16. And uh, there were some other 16-year-olds initiated over the, the decades. But no one's 15, I don't think. <laughs> like, but then again, yeah. you know, when it's time, it's time. Well, I hear you. I I just I found the OTO. Honestly, I, I don't I don't know. Seventeen. And uh, but they wouldn't initiate me until I was eighteen. Um, but I was allowed to like you know. Is that when you uh, go for social events and stuff okay. like that? Um, yeah. So that. Yeah, I didn't really wow. get a chance to. See, so uh, it's not that strange, for those of us who are called. Yeah. No, I think there's an there's a calling for. It, within some people at a very young age, I think oftentimes it's referred to as being a natural witch. Um, you know, just that you're, yeah. you're more drawn towards those astral or psychic or, you know, fantastic and mythological mindsets. And, you know, that certainly was me as a little, a wee, wee, wee guy. Like I'm talking... When I was about uh, three or four, I started just, I had these gifts. Like I knew things that, you know, before they happened. But then, you know, a little yeah. bit of uh, trauma yeah, my intuition walked was into my life. Like that. Yeah, see, you know, I mean, and I think that's, you know, part of whether you call it karma from a past life, whether, you, you know, there's many ways of looking at it, but, you know, Nonetheless, that doesn't change. Some people are sort of in that vein, a natural witch. But yeah, as I say, uh, some trauma happened. And as though my spirit animal sort of flew the coop. And I lost all that good psychic gifts and abilities that I, I really took pleasure from that I would be able to literally spend almost as much time out of my body as within my body. And, you know, I just learned a hell of a lot. It certainly scared people. And it's certainly... That's fascinating. 
and it certainly angered the people that you know did what they did to me um because it was in their eyes of the devil and they tried to punish it and whatever it out of the out of me you know and they were quite religious zealots too so that was why i was drawn towards magic some fucked up you know, shit. I was, so uh, at a young age when i sort of uh it really started with i guess when i first found joseph campbell and you know just the mirror like the uh, like all the art and the beauty i was always interested in reading myths and legends and fables and whatnot but um the the dryness of religion yeah. kind of bored me, me but the, the stories of the heroes uh, gave me like real sort of like drive to stay alive and to stay strong and then uh so yeah when i found joseph campbell yeah um that that sort of was like the the first sort of domino effect you know and then uh i came across this book i, I would always look for joseph campbell and very close to that section would be like the new age occult whatever and uh yeah i found uh, the magical world of alistair crowley by francis king and uh there was a book the complete gold no not the complete golden dawn it was a blue cover and it was the z5 i think something like that and that uh those books kind of like Zaleski's book i think so yeah it might i'm pretty sure it was it was a blue cover and i remember there was a z was a part of the title it was so long ago and it really like i i gotta be honest like uh yeah, i think that's the golden dawn thing really really interested me but i didn't find that there was i mean there was no real golden dawn presence that was obvious in montreal because i was really interested in the golden dawn and I, That's I right. you know, I, I earnestly, you know, I, I eventually I found a bookstore called Le Melange Magique, the magical mixture. Yeah, I think I've been there. I think Martin took me there. Uh oh, did I lose you again? Oh. Sorry, folks. Looks like uh, we're occasionally losing losing touch. Oh yes. Hey there, are you back? I am back. Yeah, I think we might just have to put up with that. We might we might just have to put up with it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, stuff this happens. Is how it is in the mountains. I dig. Yeah. Um. So, so yeah, I, Magic I in Montreal. Is that bookstore still there? Yeah. Uh. No, I closed a little while ago. Uh, about then, five years ago, I think. But um. Yeah, and uh, a beautiful woman that worked there, Scarlett, I kind of asked her about Thelema, and I, I didn't even pronounce it correctly. <laughs> you know, being a 16-year-old, I was like, uh, what's the Thelma stuff? And yeah, I, I'm always mispronouncing things. I, I guess I'm like Ricky from the Trailer Park Boys. But uh, yeah, anyways. Dude, I, that's uh, that's she, something I've noticed with occultists. Occultists tend to pronounce things wrong or weird. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, I, I'm an oddball, but yeah, she uh, she got me in touch with uh, the OTO and David, my uh, sort of mentor, and yeah, uh, 
yeah, I just, uh, I was too young to join, but I, I, she, I guess, kind of took pity on me and introduced me to a Kabbalist that uh, offered courses. Brilliant man, brilliant musician, just all around, like, inspirated. You know, I honestly thought he had this, like, elixir of life thing going on because, you know, the, he was, he was old. You know, I, I, I didn't even, he was ageless, though. He was in his 60s and he looked like he was in his 30s and he had been around the world so many times and you know just had this knowledge and uh you know i i admired that and i i learned a lot from him so yeah this um the i guess to complete the circle uh ouroboros style i um i learned a lot about the path workings with him and uh the path of Kof in particular, you know, he helped me write a lot of this stuff. And uh, so, yeah, I'll be doing the purple prose sort of uh, med guided meditation. And uh, it was inspired by um, well, him, one of my teachers. That's how a lot of people, mentors. you know, it's not, it's, it's purple prose poetry style, but it's, you know, uh, a calm primer. And uh, yeah, I, I figured uh, the path. I remember the first time I was introduced to. Sorry, we got a bit of a delay here. That's why uh, I'll say something okay. and you won't hear it. Anyway, yeah, no, I was introduced to path working with a guided meditation, and um, some people were complaining at the event um, because they were like, "That's not path working," and they're right; it's not path working. But no, you got to sort of have meditation. an example of what you're, you're looking meditation. for. Yeah, it's different. And you know, everybody path working has their own is guided meditation person. without a guide. Yeah, well, everyone has their is the part of path working is you know basically compiling your astral atlas, if you will. You know, by doing these path workings, it's not just the correspondences we read about in people like Rigardi and Crowley and you know the big wigs, Dion Fortune, but we, you know, we the more we path work when we meditate and rise out of our bodies and it's one of the hardest things is to leave the earth for many people you know malkuth they stay in malkuth to rise on the plains to actually yeah. to actually leave the body and travel and test yourself within that path that you're concentrating on in that direction that you're going um you're able to sort of travel with signposts by others' correspondences, if you will. But along that path, you're also going to come across many other things that are not in, say, Liber 777 or other people's Kabbalistic uh, correspondences. Yeah. They're, essentially, the correspondences are like an astral atlas, how we can guide ourselves on yeah. that truth. So yeah, this is not a path working. It's a guided meditation uh, on uh, the path of Kof. And yeah, thank well, you for correcting me, by the way. <laughs> yeah, but like I was saying, yeah, that's how we learn path working. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's fine. I, 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 I try not to correct people because I don't, I don't care how things are pronounced, but, but if you say Kof like half, then it is actually confusing path. between those two letters. But it, yeah. Ah, yeah, so it should be kof and, and chaf. 
Kof and Chaf. Now, Kaf, of course, is a double letter. So that's the, the, the meaning of the double letters is that they actually have two pronunciations. Kaf, which is if you have a dot in the center of the letter Kaf, it's a hard Kaf. And if there's no dot, it's Ch. Chaf. So Malkut yeah. is Malkut. Yeah. yeah, I don't think the pronunciation really matters too much when it comes to magic, though. It's like the debate around Enochian magic. I, I think to the Enochian angels and spirits, no matter how we pronounce Enochian, Enochian we always sound like it's baby talk to them, I'm sure. You know? Well, occultists are a real fickle fucking bunch, excuse my language. Um, you know, they're... Oh, no. And as well, and as well, like, you know, we're dealing with an arcane subject. And, you know, the way that things are, you know, barbarous words of evocation, there's, there's bound to be mistakes. There just is, you know, to what the ancients did and the inventors of this stuff. It's our, you know, it's our job to, uh, to figure that out and to never stop learning. And that's the beauty yeah. of, of the occult is that like, it's, it's, you're never gonna stop. I mean, that is if you're driven. That's, that's and it. To me, it's a, it scratches many an itch, you know, a creative itch, a, a spiritual itch. Um, you know, the great work is not just about uh, it, it's it's about discovery of the self for me, but it's also about um, you know um, creating about uh, you know I guess you want to say it, I want to say uh, sort of being leaving something behind that's uh, that's worthwhile that's um, significant. Mm. And that's, in a, in a sense, a step towards, you know, immortality in a certain, in a certain metaphorical way. Well, Rudolf Steiner, uh, he was very convinced uh, from his experiences that the only thing you take with you after death are the most profound experiences of love and spiritual sort of... Um, transcendent you know the different experiences of spiritual mm -hmm. stones that we have like when you experience the the sephira and and those sort of things right it's not just love experiences but the, those divine profound no, transcendental kind absolutely. of soul expanding experiences he, he felt that that is the only that's what goes with you everything else is dross and stays behind and that is a form believes. of love that that's a love of all that's a love of the self and like the sort of the microcosm and the macrocosm. And I, you know, I, I really like Steiner actually for all, I think, uh, when, for all his faults and whatnot. I, I admire him because some of his, he's, well, he's, he's very pragmatic in his uh, definitions of things. And it, you know, just in his means of like sort of, three consciousnesses being the you know the waking state the uh the unconscious dreaming state and that twilight stage betwixt and that one that twilight stage really got me thinking in that for devotional practices this this is the mindset i want to be in because i'm receptive towards that energy 
that I'm devoting my will towards. And in my case, it's the goddess, you know, part of my, you know, AA training and part of whatnot is about dedication to the goddess, pouring oneself into the grail, if you will. And yeah. in that twilight mindset of like, yeah, like right that. before you're going to sleep, right before you start to dream, if you can catch yourself and control yourself enough to dedicate that towards the goddess, um, before dreams set in, this great sort of embrace took, took over me and it was like, it was ecstatic. I reached a, a state of ecstasy that, I've never felt before. It got kind of to the point where it was like eh, almost tears and, and so much pleasure that, you know, it's beyond uh, orgasmic. And, and that kind of really, yeah. you know, kind of almost scared me to the point where it was almost too much that if I, I there's no way I could do this every single night. Mm. So, you know, I did it every third night mm. and I got closer and closer. And now I find uh, that's how I fall asleep best. And it's like a slight devotional practice towards the goddess. And it's a, I guess, that's, that's beautiful. what one could call bhakti yoga. The yoga of devotion. And it's... Uh, yeah, there's a lot too in the the sort of golden dawn training that like uh, concerning, you know, the tatvas and the um, the colors and the flying colors, the uh, geometrical shapes and stuff that that means of complete concentration, which really helps, and that's part of the yogic training. Yeah, tatvas well. are one of my focus. And it's that's common in the the AA. It's um, yeah, it's very similar yeah, in that. There's a lot more they, yoga in AA for sure than there is in Golden Dawn. No, but that 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 part, you know, and you know the kind I'm talking about is straight yoga. Even though the Golden Dawn may not call it yoga, that means yeah. of concentration. That it's, uh, you know, that's basically dharana, control of thought, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's I, what meditation one is very much about. Well, the, the whole, like the, the OTO, which has like a very, like an Eastern slant, if you will, like, cause of, you know, it's the temple yeah. of the Orient. Oh. Um, yeah, there's a lot more stuff like, and Crowley was very into yoga, but that was due to, I think a large part was Alan Bennett. And he was a golden Don man himself. And in my yeah. opinion, one of the most interesting guys, I know you're a big Yates man and I can't blame you for it, but uh I, I on it because I you know I, I, I love, love Bennett. I, I love I love Yeats' poetry absolutely. I just you know I haven't read the his Yeats's Golden Dawn stuff, and that's why I'm so grateful to to know you, man. Like you know, I uh, I I'm really happy to to call yeah. you a brother and a friend. Well, ditto. Um, Yeats didn't actually. Yeah, man. There's um, there's not much written by Yeats on Golden Dawn stuff. He he really took his sort of uh, vows of no, secrecy quite book. seriously and kept that stuff to himself. There's a book called uh, William Butler Yeats and the Golden Dawn, isn't there? 
Like about William, or oh, is yeah. it William Butler? Yeah, it's George Mills, yeah. Harper, and there's yeah, both. I, I've and there's also Kathleen Rain's book, which she just for my Irish roots, <laughs> you know, for my love of all things Irish. And, and Yeats is, I, I've always, like I say, loved his poetry. I think he's a great poet. Oh, uh, you know, Crowley would be yeah, well, yeah. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> you know. Oh, Crowley. Well, Crowley, so Crowley, when you think about it, like Crowley, Crowley came into the Golden Dawn when he was 25, and Yates was already there at the top of the order at age 35. So you can sort of imagine how it was. Crowley came in as a fancy himself a poet and was, was definitely writing a lot of poetry, but then he was instantly in proximity to one of the world's most famous poets. You yeah. know, so, oh, and, and, and he... And uh, yeah, you know, they, they conflicted. They conflicted strongly, which is sort of a shame. If I, if I had been 25 and all of a sudden was like, you know, within an arm's length in a magical order with someone like Yates, I, I think I would have tried to like learn something from them rather than taking such an oppositional stance. But yeah. Maybe uh, yeah, they just I'm, didn't I'm get along. No. But Crowley maybe, was maybe like Yates that, you know, he was, was a, very confrontational and like kind of, I guess, uh, arrogant in that way. But yeah, either way, like I, I don't want to get into that. You know, that's a, that's no. a long, <laughs> arduous I tale. Think some, some and Richard Kajin sometimes could like do I, it a lot better than me. <laughs> well, and he will on October twelfth. I hope people tune into that because it's going to be an amazing day. Um, oh, I'm stoked, man! And, like, uh, and I'm, I, but what I, I'm really looking forward to is this, uh, Michael Staley. I, his latest book has blown me away. Because I'm a big fan also of Kenneth Tell me Grant. more about Michael Staley. Well, I, I don't yeah, know. I, love I, I can't. I can't. I, I, all I can say is like his new book uh, about the correspondences uh, between Gerald York, Charles Stanfield Jones, and a host of others, including Crowley, um, is fantastic. Like it sheds so much light on sort of various sort of historical times where I, you know, that are often really like confusing and, and secretive, you know? So it's, it's, uh, yeah. And it's a, it's a really good read. It's well compiled. And the, the forward is, you know, I still haven't gotten into the main meat of it, but just the forward, I've had to stop and start and reread it just because it's that good. You're talking about the book Perdurbo? No, no, that's his book. But, uh, no, I'm talking about um, uh, the incoming of the Aeon of Maat, the um, right Charles Stanfield Jones, uh, Gerald York, and others. It's correspondence. Yeah, yeah. The main body of it, but the forward yeah. is brilliant, like absolutely brilliant. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm really looking and forward so to him. For those and it's who don't, not because I I don't love Lon and and Richard, because they're they're fantastic uh, lecturers, they're fantastic researchers, uh, magicians, and just all around good guys. I you know I'm happy to call them brothers and friends too. Um, but you know I mean they're they're heavyweights. Yeah, they're big yeah, for sure. heavyweights. So. Um, yeah, I'm really, uh, really looking forward to this this time. Plus, I'm I'm so stoked that we're we're going to be in such a beautiful place with good company, and uh, we're going to have some hot tubbing and 
post rich uh, ritual and post ritual hot tubbing and scrying. I'm really looking forward to. It. Yeah, I'm 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 looking forward to that. I haven't been able to uh, use the sauna or the hot tub because I'm still uh, in quarantine yeah, and not allowed to do that That's stuff. But yeah, and I'll 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 be sure to bring mm -hmm. uh, Sorry, you bring got up my instrument, my instrument and uh, and an amp. You so we can do some playing. An amp, yeah, that's right, because you're a musician as well. Yeah, Let's tell yeah. people a bit about your musical life. Um, at present, I've got a band. What's your? Called... Uh, what's your? What's my what? Yeah, what's your band called? Oh, uh, we're called the Sons of Cain, with a K, and um, I'd say it's very rock and roll vibe, but. I'm bringing a bunch of psychedelia to the table. I worked with this engineer about nice. 15 years ago. Little shoegaze. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I worked with this engineer he, on this uh, friend of mine's album. And he remembered me and he said, hey, I've got this original project. Can I send you a few demos and see if you want to do something with us? And I listened to it. And I was like for songs pretty good you know i mean kind of had almost a tragically hip type vibe very sort of canadian content but as well you know i'm bringing more of a psychedelic sort of vibe to it so it's um taking new directions we're auditioning lead lead guitarists right now so but in the covid times we're not gigging so yeah <laughs> what the hell we just got a great new drummer yeah i know i monster player but uh, yeah, that and uh, I also I've got a side project uh, thing. Well, not a side project, but I've been playing with uh, my roommates upstairs, Elijah and Miriam, in this band called uh, Japanese Cowboy, and it's a Ween tribute band. Oh, cool. So yeah, and uh, Elijah is hmm. a great psychedelic player. I've been playing with him for twenty years, and uh, he he's. Wow. he's He's more than just a psychedelic musician. He's uh, bluegrass and all kinds. You know, he's got a killer doom metal band too. So, yeah, we do a lot of stuff. And I'm, uh, yeah, it's, it, it, look, these days music doesn't pay the bills. And even back in the day, it didn't really pay the bills. So that's why I, uh, I'm kind of a, I'm a contractor slash builder, you know. has a trade to like pay the bills but on the, at the present time i messed up yeah. my back so i'm just uh using my shillelagh and uh i'm collecting disability <laughs> so yeah it's 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 shitty right well, now i think that's the situation for a lot of musicians like i'm i mean you had a, you had a bunch of uh, uh tours or mini tours or gigs and festival dates booked when COVID hit, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we were uh, booked, but that was when we were a four-piece. And uh, we, you know, we still uh, haven't played live, I guess you could say, because we were st we only formed with a real drummer, I guess. Shit, like, uh, I don't know, maybe uh, three, four months ago? Three months ago? No. So yeah, we were um, auditioning. And I, I, know, bet, I bet, like, the I bet there's, 
Drummers are hard to come by. Uh, Nobody wants to lug that. around all those, all that gear, <laughs> you know. And most yeah, I've good been lucky. drummers, they're already playing in five bands. So drummers or bands. Ex- those are the exactly it. Boons. What you need to do is you, you got. <laughs> Sorry, the delay factor. You go ahead. Yeah, no, no, I know. Um, yeah, no. Uh, I was just gonna say, yeah, the 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 challenge is you got to have a project and with good enough songs, but also be on your marketing and booking game. You it, you got to basically have that so good that the drummer who's already in four or five other bands joins your band and then says, oh you're so busy i can't be in these other bands then they drop their other bands and just yeah, disappear. Little, but to do that you yeah. have to be booking like a madman you have to have the whole setup you have to have it all going like ideally you have to have your own studio for. or or you have know, inns at places yeah that's what it like these guys are all professionals they've been in the industry for a long time and uh you know they're like fuck it yeah might as well have a last go while we're still you know walking <laughs> You know, and it's it's good. Do you know Kenton Lowen? No, I don't. Yeah, he's a he's a sick drummer. Well, Michael Simpsonelli. Did I lose you again? I might have. There you are. You're back. There you are. Okay. Hey, um, yeah, we're yeah. back. Hey, <laughs> we're doing the best we can. Sure, sure. Um, you know what so I was yeah, we got to do? What's that? We, uh, I was, uh, I was, uh, I woke up at 4 a.m. this morning, um, after like sleeping with some kratom which was which affected me weirdly and um i uh so i sat up and read jake stratton kent's uh true grimoire for like three and a half hours and uh yeah, there's, yeah, there's an interesting that. spirit in there that i was thinking would be fun it yeah there, i thought there's a spirit in there that has to do with the dead that would be fun to to summon at stansfield jones at frater achad's gravestone in north van Oh wow, that sounds interesting, man. That now you're talking. All wouldn't, right. wouldn't that? Yeah, yeah. Because I used to hang out at that gravestone when I was in college, because it's right up it, that the old graveyard's right above Capilano College, and uh, yeah, yeah. so I would have a three-hour break from six to nine, and I would go up there for three hours and do my invocation of Thoth and do my Hermetic Rosary and just walk around communing with spirits. And I didn't know at the time that the gravestone I was sitting near under the tree was Frater Achad's grave. Frater Achad's, yeah. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah, hey, I had um, no idea that that's, to... that's who that was. <laughs> wow. Well, hey, there you go, man. It's uh, karma. Um, when you come to Vancouver, let's do that, you know. Yeah, because yeah, you said you're, you're going to be. I uh, bet Chris would be down. Oh, cool! Yeah, let's definitely I'll be around. Do that. I'll be around. Yeah. Well, like, uh, yeah, no, with the with let my me mom know the details and like uh, as far as you know, names, uh, sigils, etc., and you know, we can uh, start planning this. I'm. Yeah, I haven't I done. This. I, I love this kind I of stuff. I haven't done man. any sort of. 
I haven't done much Goetia in a long time, but I'm, no. I've just did uh, Jason Augustus Newcomb's uh, Goetia course, which is taught by um, uh, by Frater Ashen Hassan, as oh, well wow. as by um, R- R- Rufus Opus, uh, you know, Josh Gadois. And uh, so I learned a bunch of, of stuff about how they do it. And I definitely would like to try um, Ashen, Chass- Ashen Chassan's methodology as opposed to the more psychological microcosmic methodology. I have a theory. Tell me what you think. So, like you know, you know, when you just like sort of meditate, mm-hmm. when you, you know, when you sort of like just take a spirit name and vibrate it and meditate on it, or maybe draw a sigil, but you just sort of sit there and feel the energy or try and commune with it internally. I have a theory that the difference between that and what people like Dr. Stephen Skinner, Ashen Shasan, and Aaron Leach and all those people are doing is that when you're just sort of doing it like that, you're not really penetrating into the macrocosm. You're not crossing the veil. You're, you're doing it microcosmically because all of these beings exist within our microcosm as well as in the macrocosm. So if, and, and there's a debate about, you know, real evocation versus just mental mind games. But I think it's more a question of, are you communing with that entity within your microcosmic and the microcosmic reflection of it versus actually making enough noise to sort of draw it into a macrocosmic appearance, which is what you would call where you'd look for more physical phenomena. Ah, yes. Like a spirit manifestation. That's my theory. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. Um, Yeah. Yeah. You're you're actually like, you know, I think as well, um, a big part of goetic evocation as with the, you know, like whether it's like, you know, left or right magic, um, the more that you put into it, the more magnetic energy is created. Like the more correspondences, the more um, work that you put towards that evocation, that particular evocation, um, the more you'll actually benefit because it's not just educating yourself with what this uh, particular spirit likes and what it is and what it's about, etc. But you're also realizing where its place is within like the grand scheme of things, you know, concerning the tree, concerning the macrocosm. And you create by having those particular scents, those particular colors, those particulars that make up that evocation, um, the more that spirit is going to be drawn to it magnetically. And just by the very fact that all of those needs are being met, so to speak, like a checklist. And, you know, you can go deeper and deeper and deeper into like, uh, each one of those and make it even more bigger. But I mean, at the end of the day, once you're satisfied that you've covered all the basics, then yeah, then for me, spirit manifestation has only ever happened with, you know, particular workings that I've done with particular sense. And in that heavy, heavy um, fumigations, that's where I see spirits within the smoke. Mm. yeah the first time i did and was trained as an adept in goetia was in la 
at the Temple of Isis, uh, Mighty Mother, and we were we had the full Solomonic circle. They have a beautiful one down there, and we were using a black mirror, of course, and to do the Guadia, and uh, we were doing actually uh, evocation of our evil persona, and that was terrifying. I'm sure. I drew a sketch of it and have been doing uh, the work I learned to do with it ever since then. You, it's you some pretty intense scary. stuff. I don't you think there's a way to scary. do it. Yeah. Um, so I, I got to admit, like, mm -hmm. I absolutely love his uh, grimoire uh, workings, like his, uh, you know, various volumes of grimoires. Um, his, you know, yeah. not just correspondence. He's a great scholar. His take on things is like so erudite man that guy is solid in my books i really like uh pope runyon's yeah you know, on things too you know he's uh he's a guy that actually really struggled, yeah. made plain the methodology to goetic debookation i really really admire them yeah poke is actually the guy poke poke is great he also doesn't he's also like us he does ninjutsu Oh, far out. Nice. Yeah, no, he's yeah, a... Yeah, he's, he's a, a heavy, he's Khan. heavy cat. I really, I really like Polk Runyon's stuff. Um, but, yeah, I got to say, Skinner's stuff is amazing. I've uh, we're, we're really, really lucky to, to be around these days because so many newer editions are coming out of old books that were oft confusing and... And just purposely so. Yeah. Uh, for example, you know, well, take for example, well, the Grandfather's, yeah. uh, um, uh, what is it, the uh, Book of Abramelin, you know, the mage. Uh, the, the Yeah, that's most lacking in scholarship in some it ways. But I mean, at the time, that's what he had to work with. He didn't have, like, we're in the, the age now yeah. where information is, is a lot more prevalent. But yeah, the uh, what's it called? The edition yeah, of um, oh, what is it? Uh, Jörg Den, I think, the Book of Abramelin, Abraham von Worms. But that Ibis, yeah, uh, Benz, Benz. Wow, amazing! Because I'd read the matters, yeah, and loved yeah. the matters, but I didn't really understand all the matters, and it didn't seem very logical to me. It seemed like a very odd odd thing like like a lot of magic did as a young dumb guy but you know i i i never tried to do the working myself but i i, I learned a lot by reading it um and it's the same with yeah. when I first encountered the the kabbalah the kabbalah denurada or whatever the kabbalah unveiled of, of uh Mather. Yeah, Imidata. which is selections. Yeah, what it is, and you know what that is basically a, an ex. Yeah, the Kabbalah Dinadata is basically an excerpt from the Zohar, which is yeah. over exactly. a dozen volumes long. Oh, I know. Well, you know, it's yeah. it's funny. Like my roommate and Elijah, or housemate Elijah upstairs, he grew up uh, Orthodox, and his father had a beautiful had a beautiful collection of the Zohar. And uh, after wow, yeah. uh, other past, uh, Elijah has has it, and uh, it's upstairs. It's it's a gorgeous edition of the Zohar. I'll have to look at that. 
Bro, that's like, that's why I spent years in grad school learning Aramaic was so I could, you know, do my own translating of the Zohar because uh, the, the one, the translation that exists, thankfully, is actually only due to Madonna funding Rav Berg to translate it. So it's good that we have a translation because from the Aramaic now, but, but at the same time. <laughs> but the, uh, yeah, no, Sorry, it's, uh... you, you got muffled there. Oh, okay. Uh, you were muffled saying... for everything you just said. I said that's a big can of worms and uh yes it yeah. is well you know it, it's it's with with kabbalah you really do need to learn hebrew if you want to take it seriously oh absolutely yeah and yeah. you know and I'm mather's learning. translation of kabbalah dini data was was from latin mm. yeah exactly yeah so you know you know, and as no, we know, problematic. many Latin things. Yeah, exactly. But uh, oh yeah, the, well the uh, Latin, the the Latin Chaldean, translations the are Chaldean Aramaic are pretty much very sort of. Um, are are they not like almost the same? Yeah. So so here's how here's how I found that out when I was in my first year of Aramaic lessons. Um, I went into, I, I needed to look up some words for a translation from a, of this old spell that had never been translated. So I went to the library. It was the first time I needed to consult an Aramaic lexicon. And I, I spent like two hours in the library, the, the theological library at UBC, looking for an Aramaic lexicon and I couldn't find one. So I went to the librarian who, you know, was a hardcore trained, you know, master archivist uh, with the degrees and a Quaker actually, very cool dude. But that was a quiet library i tell you that was a quiet ass library with a quaker running it and he i was like i can't find the aramaic le lexicons he's like oh he's like all the aramaic lexicons we have are from are, are over 100 years old and before before the last 100 years aramaic was called chaldean i was like holy shit i didn't know that he's like yeah and i was like yeah i saw a ton of chaldean lexicons but no aramaic ones he's like yeah that's aramaic that's what you're looking for <laughs> Yeah, so that was that was pretty pretty hilarious, um, but getting back to the uh, the Abramelin, uh, I haven't looked at the translation from Germany yet. But what I really want to do is find a a copy of the German manuscript and do my own translation. That's something I I would love to. When do. you get to town, you have the German. Uh, my yeah. Oh, I don't have the German. I've got the Ibis, as I was saying. The latest publication, the oh, translation. Yeah. yeah, no, I want to get that. But from. Yeah, well, I hear it's. Well, a either way, like uh, like I say, when, when you come French. to town, uh, my library is your library. Yeah, I uh, look forward to doing a lot of a lot of ritual work with you, bro. Yeah. I'm not in touch with the uh, Golden Dawn my, communities uh, in Vancouver at anymore, and I'm not sure I want to be so. I dig, but uh, um, yeah, I was just looking like at my it. elemental cup, how it runneth over. Wait, wait, you're, lo you're looking at your elemental what? My cup. My oh yeah, you're rail. making your golden dawn tools. Elemental weapons, yeah. Now, does the AA typically um, uh, no, make golden no, dawn tools? Not at all. Is that normal? Not no, at all. So, that's just that's no, you being no no you. It's, 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 
me being creative because I know I'm going to be working with the uh, Eleguin, the great up at uh, Soma. So I want to have my <laughs> yeah, I, ritual accoutrement. I hear that guy's not so bad. You know, I want to learn a bit. Yeah. And learning is yeah. making, right? a big part of it. That's what and I find I, like um, I really like about you. You got, yeah, the, uh, that's one thing I like about OTO people and AA people that I find is they're a lot more open to doing work with, uh, with other folks as opposed to, uh, you know, GD people tend to be very uh, not, they, they tend to not be able to work with people outside their orders, whether it's due to vows or just for, culture of, yeah. their, of their temple. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a mistake. I really do. Well, I think, it's I think that, 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 that goes that, that in is, so many ways. I mean, a lot of people are that way. Um, whether it's surfing, magic, or whatever, they're very, you know, local centric in that sense, you know, the familiarity of it and the safety. Yeah. There? Did you say surfing? Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm here. Whether it's like surfing, it's it's a territorial pissing, if you will. <laughs> right, that's what I take it as. Yeah, I don't know much about surfing, to be honest. No, or yeah. you know what I mean, like locals don't um, kind of idea. Right. That makes sense. I mean, there is something to be said that's about um, familiarity of of. It is. It can be tricky to do ritual work with people who who don't have the same methodology as you. But I mean, you can you can learn oh, yeah. from each other relatively quickly. It doesn't take that That's, much working with someone else to figure out, uh, get into the rhythm. No, and that's the thing about magic. I find magic is magic, and if you can learn, then you're open, and you're you know, all the better for it. It doesn't mean one has to change how they operate as yeah. normally, but if you can glean something from another, that's a, a mitzvah, as they say, right? Toda. At least yeah. that's the way I look at it. Muzzle tov. <laughs> I think that's, yeah. yeah I, I hope there's less sectarianism in the future. <laughs> sure. Are you Jewish? Yeah. Really? No, no. From I, your uh, last Prox, name, I would have Prox, thought you were I, I grew Irish up in, Catholic. Yeah. No, I. but I grew up in Montreal, and that's like I grew up right next to a very large Jewish community. So um, I've picked up a lot. I worked in a Jewish deli for a while. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you pick up wow. the vernacular. Yeah, just uh, you know, being around. Yeah, I guess so. Friends and stuff, you know, you pick things up. And yeah, my uh, and with my name too, Jeremiah. The uh, my my friend's mom, she's Japanese, but she married a Jewish guy. Uh, a great scholar too. Oh, I got, I got stories to tell you, but I won't go into it right now. Um, yeah, we were like having a Thanksgiving dinner. She was <laughs> no, like, tell me a story. <laughs> and she, you know, so she's very familiar with the Jewish thing. And, and her son and I are like best buds. And, you know, we're cooking up this uh, duck. And uh, we're talking in the sort of Jewish slang. 
and Yiddish talk. And uh, she took her son aside. I overheard. And she said to Nathaniel, she's like, oh, that Jeremiah, he's such a good Jewish boy. <laughs> like, he's like, he's not a Jew, mom. He's Irish. He's a, he's a pagan or he's a Rosicrucian. I don't fucking know. Yeah. Yeah, because so, yeah. your last um, name sounds extremely Irish. Yeah, from Kilkenny. That's where my clan hails from. Jeez, that's, yeah, that's, that's a, the she. The she is also a, a, a whole spirit. Yeah, yeah. The, you know about the she, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, well, that's what I've been writing and about. That's where the, the uh, that's where the term banshee comes from, too. Yeah, ban means woman, B-A-N. Ban is what is the word for woman, and she means fairy or, or you know, it's god. Um, it also means hill, so the, the word, because the gods retreated, the, tu the Tuajedanan retreated under the hills, under the she, and became equated with the hills, and therefore the she. Yep. Which, of course, is spelled S-I-D-H-E in modern Irish, but just for those listeners who don't know. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we could do some fairy magic, brother. That would be fun. We should we should incorporate some fairy wicca. Sure. I'm down. I, I'm down for anything. Yeah. You know the uh get the Jewish the Jewish Irish thing going. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, no, it's a. Uh, I mean, the, and the if thing we do I, Jake Stratton's, if we do, oh yeah, yeah if we yeah. do Jake Stratton Kent's ritual the right way, apparently we're going to need some flowing blood. Okay. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. I got a whole. I, sack I can't say that I've actually done a. <laughs> You've never I've, done I've blood. Done a goetic sigil with my own. No? I've never. Oh, I've done lots of blood magic, but I've never done a goetic sigil. Uh, from my own flowing blood. Well, I haven't done much Guisha in general. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, I, I don't. I've always been know, a, a subscriber to my men, my mentor. Always said, "Look up before you look down." You know, look to the angelic realms first. And so I did that for you know twenty years before I even started like looking well, down into the shells. I dig. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The um, yeah. When it comes to uh, utilizing, you want to bring a lot of light with you. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry, the delay way. there threw you off. Yeah. I didn't mean it to. <laughs> it's okay. Um, yeah. The uh, as far as like uh, utilizing uh, bodily fluids, if you will, I, you know, I usually <laughs> yeah, that's usually a per personal like solo work for me. Just because, um, for sure. or w for with sure. another that I'm intimate with. But, you know, that kind of work yeah. is, you know, best not spoken of <laughs> at the moment. Uh, yeah, I, well, I, like I would never talk about it. I would certainly never. We would never talk about that on a podcast, for example. No, no. We wouldn't do that. Keep it on the level, so to speak. No, not. Yeah, you don't want to scare people talking about blood and flesh magic. No, I mean, like... Uh, it's a big part but, uh, of, uh, of ancient rites, though, is I'm not talking sacrificing. I don't you know. I just mean like fluidity. No, of course not. That, whether no, it's we don't blood sacrifice. Or, men, or, you know, whatnot. Those things are used. Uh, they're very powerful. 
it's a very energetic charge, but you know, it's not, uh, it's not something that's public. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. 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 And I, I would never kill an animal ever. Um, but I know a lot of people do. Yeah. I, I know, uh, certain people that practice like those, uh, specific sort of African rights and, I don't, I don't judge them because the animals used, I, I eat meat as well. So, I mean, like at the end of the day, uh, you know, it's, it's not my bag. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> right. Like I don't, uh, I don't do it, but I, you know, by the same token, I, I can't judge others for doing it, especially if they're going, you know, the animal doesn't go to waste. If the animal's, you know, look at the supermarket. Come on, mm -hmm. don't, don't like, don't play the moral high ground. <laughs> that's, you know, I honestly, that's why I can't really say that. You know, I know I, I cannot sit in judgment of another for doing that. Yet, but what I can say is, it's not my right. bag. I love animals. I love. I am yeah. an animal. I like to. Pet yeah. Any animals. anyone who thinks we are animals. Yeah. Anyone who thinks that hunting is bad, but but industrialized meat processing is good, needs to get their head checked. Exactly. You know that's that sums it up nicely. And I'm sure there's a lot of vegetarians and vegans listening. Probably not so many vegans, but you know, um, you're lucky if you can live a healthy life as a vegetarian or a vegan. I think that's lucky if you have that kind of body type and blood type or whatever. But, you know, if you got mm -hmm. freaking autoimmune diseases, no fucking way, most likely, you can't handle that shit. Well, you know, I just... You got to listen to your own body, right? I, yeah, absolutely. And I don't, I, I don't pass judgment on others because, you know, geez, I've got a whole heap judgment. of things that I would be... Judgment is mine. So I don't... Yeah. You know, I mean, I... Romans 12, baby. Romans 12, <laughs> judgment is mine. I will pay them back, says the Lord. It's not our job to judge and, and condemn. We can yeah, discern, yeah. but that's different. Yeah, and, and you know, you got to have common sense about things, you know. I think if if, if it's a necessity, then it's, it's fine. But if it's, you know, if it's, if it's just wasted and, and sadistic, then it's really got you know, very wrong, ethically, uh, on all counts, you know, sadly, we, it's unfortunate, we, we live in an age where common sense is virtually gone, if not outright condemned by people. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, I should probably so let you go. In a time when, when we're all being told to yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just to, uh, uh, you're right. get a bit of info I, for people. Yeah, I, I don't want to be rude and cut you off, but uh, yeah, I've got to no, man. go use the facilities. It's late. <laughs> it's it's yeah. it's late. We did a good we did a good bit of information for people about what to uh, expect on October twelfth, and people can uh, go. Uh, go to liber420.com and subscribe and get the emails with the links 
It's also on Instagram. And uh, Chris Bennett has posted a Facebook event for Crowley Mass, like Christmas, but for Crowley's birthday is what he says. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited. I'm stoked. It's going to be fun. I've already started packing, in fact. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll see you in 10 days, brother. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm over the moon. All right. Well, thanks for coming on Magic Without Fears. Tell your friends about thanks it. Thanks for having me, brother. I, uh, yeah. I'm honored. And we'll I, do a three-way when, when, with Chris when you're up here. Sounds great. Yeah. All right. Well, it's uh, almost 11 at night, so God, that moon is pretty beautiful. I know. I, uh, I got to Mar go Mars, Mars bright above it. It's amazing. You got to check that out. Check out Mars above the moon. If you can see yeah, it in the I city. Man, I, I never really, I never really want to live anywhere ever again where I can't see the full canopy of stars. It's just, it's just not right. It just feels so fucked up to not see the stars every night. Oh, it's amazing. eh? like, especially up there from the mountains, the, just the view is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, in the last 14 months in California, seeing the stars. Yeah, I don't think we're meant to not see the stars. I really, really do feel that way. I think cities are bullshit. Yep, they can definitely block out anyway. the, uh, the light of the heavens. Shemaim. Sheol and Shemaim. All right, bro. Well, uh, you go, uh, go to the commode and uh, have a great night, and we'll talk soon. <laughs> Okay, bro. Thanks a lot for calling. I'll Hong talk to you later. Hong Song Pax. Cheers. Bye. Bye-bye. Hong Song Pax. Hermetic Science Enterprises is a publishing company based in Scotland, UK, that specializes in Western esoteric printed literature as well as educational videos. With various imprints under its belt, its roster consists of grimoire tradition literature, alchemical works, Golden Dawn tradition books, and the several texts and videos originally belonging to the philosophers of nature. Besides its downloadable videos and standard hardcover edition books, Hermetic Science Enterprises also produces beautiful and precious limited fine edition books that are true pieces of art. For more information to order any of its products, please visit www.hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk. That's hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk. And as a lot of you know, I've uh, talked with the publisher Lenny on the podcast before, including a six-hour epic uh, extended version on the Patreon, and uh, seen the fine edition of his new grimoire of Scott's Discovery of Witchcraft, which is only available for purchase up to 50 limited copies uh, till the end of May, I believe. So check it out now. HermeticScienceEnterprises.co.uk